Good afternoon and welcome to the latest from Heart Standard. I was I always want to say morning briefing, but it's not. It's uh, half past four in the afternoon. So just just briefing. My name is Joel Skett, editor of Heart Standard, and I am joined by James Kearney, uh, also of Heart Standard, as we look ahead to Heart of Midlothian's trip to Aberdeen in the Scottish Premiership on Saturday, a venue Hearts haven't won at since 2016 when Abiola Dowda scored the scruffiest of scruffy goals to win 1-0. Since then, Hearts have not lost, eh, not won at Pataudry. I think Aberdeen have won at Tynecastle maybe once since then, but not in a long time. So it's very much a fixture where the home team prevails. Now, where to start with this one, James? I suppose we will kind of maybe look back to go forward and look back at yesterday's press conference with Stephen Naismith. All the all the quotes are up on the, on the site and it went, uh, kind of team news went up last night. Cammy Devlin's going to be out for a month, and I'm going to say that Liam Boyce, just the way, just the, the tone of Stephen Asif and the way he said it, uh, suggests that Liam Boyce is a very, very big doubt for it as well. So while all these players are coming back, in typical Hearts fashion, there's also other players uh, getting injured and, uh, and going out. So with the team news what was you what were your um what would what was your thought when you when i told you that devlin was going out for a month well, i mean i'm a card carrying cammy devlin fan I, yeah. I think he's, i think he's really good i really like him uh so naturally i'm disappointed i think it's a really big blow for hearts and um, i just think that when you look at the makeup of the other midfielders in the squad there's nobody quite like him um mm-hmm. In fact, there's nobody even almost like him in terms of nope. like his ball winning stuff, um, stuff off that's work off the ball, getting the ball back, winning it back. He's one of the best players in the league at it. There's nobody else who kind of comes close to it. And I do think that having a ball winner in the field like that is really important for Hearts because I don't think. I, I mean, recently, obviously, Nunhoff's been playing in that kind of right centre mid role. And while I think it's, it's got, he's obviously got. Um, Certain certain skills, certain qualities, but I don't think he's a you know I don't think he is a ball winner particularly. I wouldn't I don't no. think many people would say he is, and I don't think anyone else in the squad is either. So yeah, that that that's a concern for me from that point of view. Um, I just think that he's Devon's very difficult to replace. Um, Boyce perhaps less so, even though Boyce has been playing really well. I think over mm-hmm. the last few games, whenever he's been playing, he's formed a good partnership with Shankland. But as we've spoken about, <clears throat> loads. It doesn't give you that pace. <clears throat> he doesn't have that pace to get in behind, which isn't great. So, but there are other options in that area of the park. There's Kenneth Vargas. There's Kisuke Tagawa. You know, there are options there. Whereas at this thing in midfield, there really, there really aren't those those sort of options. Unless you start looking at people like Andy Halliday or Peter Haring, who Naismith doesn't appear to be very interested in whatsoever. So, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a blow. And the sooner he gets back, I'd imagine the better. But the flip, the flip side of that, of course, is that. He's actually he's not been playing much recently. He's not been a regular starter, and so from Naismith's perspective, it probably shouldn't disrupt things too much. In that he wasn't a he, you know he's been on the bench the last like three, four, five games now, um, struggling to get game time. It's probably not the most disruptive thing in the world um, for a player like that to drop out of the squad compared to you know if Shankland got an injury, you know, or if Benny Beningley gets an injury or someone like that, you know. Yeah, I, I, I agree with I agree with that that side of things. But then again, I look at the fixtures coming up, and you're thinking, mm. "What devil in that game? I want devil in that game. I want devil in that game." And one of these games is is, is tomorrow because I go back to last season, and 
it was one of those games where it was towards the end of, or one of those games that contributed to Nielsen's departure. We went up to Aberdeen and genuinely, genuinely put in one of the most rancid performances of uh, of, of last campaign. And it was positive, if I remember correctly, it was 3-0 after in the first half and I think it was pretty much done and dusted within the first half hour and you looked at the Aberdeen side that's uh, that game they were so energetic they made it really really difficult for Hearts and they got in their face and big one was Graham Shinney he was everywhere Mm. he was playing like a man possessed and Cammy Devlin sat on the bench that whole game and you just think if Graham Shinney's running riot Bring Cammy Devlin on, just like right, uh, you just try and stop him from do you. You basically do what um, uh, Andy Graham Shinney's doing and see who comes out on top. It was like just just go up against each other. That's what I look at tomorrow and think mm. Hearts might Hearts might need. And then you go to Celtic Park next week. I think Hearts could do with Cammy Devlin there. And if there's a midfielder I want in the midfield against Hibs at Easter Road, <laughs> it is Cammy Devlin. Whereas Benny and the Hoff. I think they both players for different reasons like split opinion within their the hearts heart support and something that kind of we touched on with, with Scott yesterday when looking back at the Rangers game is that they they're kind of different midfielders but it's kind of similar and at the, at the same time you you've written about it before that Benny's Benny's a number six he gets the ball keeps it short and sharp doesn't play kind of longer passes he's quite good at kind of intercepting Newhoff's um, a wee bit more. Uh, we both more mobile go you'll go after it but similarly you'll just you'll keep it quite tidy short and mm. sharp so there are they're, they're probably the two midfielders are um, kind of most similar so yeah it's uh, I think I think we could look back on it in a month's time and and seeing Devlin has been a big miss yes with the caveat that he's not been playing all that often mm. no yeah Chelsea I think you're probably right I mean like you say Aberdeen away, Parkhead after that, and then the um, the Derby. Obviously, yes, you would like you know. I, I think you're right. I think you would want to see Cammy Devlin in all those games. I think those are games that he's he's very very suited to. Mm. But again, the flip side would be that okay, he's not been playing recently, and Hearts have been winning. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the exception of Wednesday night, obviously. But um, so yeah, I, I think that well, well, I'm disappointed, and I'd like to see more of him. Um, as I say, I, I don't think it's in terms of Smith's kind of planning for the next few matches, it's probably not as disruptive as it otherwise could have been, I don't think. So, yeah, b- big loss. And these are exactly the kind of games he, uh, Devon, thrives in. I mean, I remember the, I'm sure the game, the 2-0 at Tynecastle earlier in the season, I'm, I'm sure Devon and Shinny had a bit of a kind of running battle that day as well, if, if memory serves right. Yeah, one of Devlin's best, uh, like the best individual. Well, I mean, he's quite. He has actually had quite a few usually good performances this season, but I think he's really stood out against Aberdeen. Mm. I mean, there's held the fact that I mean that was a, you know, that Aberdeen team were not very good. You know, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All that first. Um, and then last thing, though, looking ahead to tomorrow, it's it's going to be a really fascinating one because Aberdeen, obviously, in the league, they've not been doing anywhere near. Good enough, you know, they're what 11th, I think. Now, um, okay, they've, I think they've maybe one or two games behind some of the other teams around them, but still, you know, for Club Aberdeen size to be in what we're approaching halfway through December, they've only won three league matches, that's wild, you know, that, that, mm-hmm. that's crazy. But then at the same time, you know, you look at the, the four points they picked up against Rangers, that's impressive. I've actually seen quite, I've seen a fair bit of them in Europe this season, and again, while mm-hmm. there's performances that have disappointed them. There's a lot of games, you know, they lost when they probably should have got a draw or they drew when they probably should have got a win. 
but they've held their own and competed in every single match, you know, um, which, let's be honest, for Scottish teams, um, particularly outside Celtic and Rangers, that's rare, you know, with, you know, at any level, you know, we don't we don't often see that. Normally, let's be honest, when a Scottish team, and just look at last season, the Hearts, I mean, everyone had a great time, we all had a laugh, but, you know, Hearts were never in danger of progressing out of that group, mm-hmm. you know, they never, whereas Aberdeen, okay, yeah, I, I, the, <laughs> maybe results-wise didn't quite go for them, but, I think performance-wise, have been quite good. So they've got this weird thing where I think they're capable of playing quite well against better teams, but it seems to be punching down that's the problem. So I think that's why it's going to be a really fascinating contest this this weekend, just because I don't really know what to expect. History will tell you Aberdeen will win. The league table will tell you that Hearts will win. I'm all out of ideas. I doubt it could go three like 3-0 either way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too surprised, I don't think. But yeah, my typically my you won't be surprised by this, Jay, but my my pessimistic view of uh, having been a Hearts fan for 34 years is the fact that Aberdeen have are really struggling, they really need a win, and Hearts have not won uh, in Apatodri since 2016. It all points to uh Aberdeen victory, but at the same time, I've seen Aberdeen fans on social media are going, "Oh, Hearts haven't won here since 2016. Let's, uh, I know, I know what's happening tomorrow." So mm. it works, it works both ways. But exactly, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at uh, Graham's Graham's comment here because we'll get to the we'll get to team selection shortly. Mm. But um, since we're talking about Aberdeen, we may as well stick on them. Aberdeen are really struggling, and we have players uh, players back. The I've watched I watched Aberdeen against Hibs and it was just at the weekend it was just such a bizarre game mm. and they're 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 just a bizarre team I think they're the most perplexing team within Scottish football I reckon that they like you talked about with their European performances watched them against uh, Palk in uh, over in Greece mm. Hearts of course went there and really struggled never looked like getting anything out of that game and qualifying for the group stages Aberdeen were really really. Uh, Aberdeen over the piece were pretty good. Yes, Palk missed uh, missed a few chances on the day. You probably fancy them to win, but they were they were much more competitive than Hearts were, and they did pose a, a goal threat. You talked about the performances against Rangers, then watched them against Hibs on Sunday, and on another like you play that game another ten times, and Aberdeen easily probably winning that uh, seven eight times out of ten, but. Mm. Because of the chances they missed, they missed a missed a penalty game up, gave up cheap goals. So while they are struggling, they've they're just a kind of Jekyll and uh, Hyde team who I don't think they've quite settled down this season. Nace has talked a lot uh, about a, a lot about the European, like juggling European and uh, domestic results and performances, and that's probably had uh, probably had a um, that's probably had had an impact. Mm. I still think they are probably playing within themselves. It's, it's almost like Barry Robson's tactics are making them play within themselves in that they're quite a reactive team. They, they sit quite deep, and but they pose a great threat on the the, the counter-attack. And you just, I don't think they're getting the best out of Leighton Clarkson, but when they do click, they're just a really difficult team to play against. So, yeah, I, I think... I don't think it's as sim- I don't think it's as, as simple as um, maybe Graham says that a game we need to be winning. Ideally, as a game we um, we want to win uh, and look at, and I can understand. Let me gather my thoughts here. I can understand the viewpoint because of how um, where Aberdeen are on the table that Hearts should be looking at and like we should be winning here. But at the same time, I do think you still need to be wary of Aberdeen and the, the threats they. Uh, they pose, especially someone like Bojan Miowski. 
Yeah, yeah, he's, he's obviously an excellent player. You know, um, you know the, the the big debate sort of we see a lot these days on social media is like, oh, who's better, Shank on Dermiovsky and that kind of thing. And the, the you know, he's, he's an excellent player. He's, it's obviously Shankland, obviously. Yeah, but, um, yeah. but um, but you know, yeah, Miowski. Chances are he's probably away in January. <clears throat> if he's not, surely at the end of the season, whether that's yeah. to you know an English Championship club or even a Premier League club, whoever it might be, fine. Um, no, he's, he's an excellent player. There are good players in that squad. Obviously, you know we know we all know that. But I think that the, the th- I think the reason that this is such a great opportunity for Hearts to like finally end that kind of patodry who do they've got is the fact that we know that. Patience is going to be an incredibly short supply because, uh, you know, let, let's be honest, I think that Barry Robson is probably, you know, two or three bad games, bad results away from being in real trouble for losing his job. So, yeah, he, he's, 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 sorry, I interrupt, but he's, he's in a position that Hearts fans and Hearts will be well aware of because mm-hmm. Naismith's been in that position this, this this season where there's been little patience or, or time over. Uh, over the management and they're kind of it's just waiting for something to happen for it to turn. I actually think Hearts fans have probably been more patient than Aberdeen fans from what what I've heard. Like a lot of Hearts fans criticism or discussion um or angst has been after the game, like just on the kind of social media discussing mm-hmm. within uh between fans rather than uh, an out, outpouring of frustration while the game's uh, going on. I don't think that's been the case at Aberdeen. No, exactly. And I think that's the thing. I think if you know, particularly the first kind of twenty minutes, half an hour or so. If you if you can kind of slow the game down, frustrate Aberdeen, make life difficult for them, don't get really give them an inch. That crowd can turn, you know. And I think that that's that's got to be the. I think that's a really big objective here. I think that's got to be a great opportunity because mm-hmm. we know obviously Petodre, It's a you know big stadium, lots of fans there. And there's there is definitely an opportunity there. I think to really really frustrate those fans because again, there's not. Robson doesn't have that much goodwill in the bank at the moment. You know, I don't think it would take too long for you know after a few misplaced passes or problems and move breaks down to start getting groans and grumbles from the yeah. crowd. And then at that point, obviously, you can feed off that and use it against them. So, um, I, I I think it will be from a harsh perspective. I think it might be a quite a um, kind of doers maybe a bit much. But you know, I think it will be a very conservative. Let's not take any risks. Let's play it very safe here and see and see how we go. Because I think it's gonna be one of those matches where the longer it stays now now, the better hearts there's chances of drawing or even winning become. You know, I think it's one of those games where the, the longer time goes on, the more frustrated the crowd gets, you know, the more uh, upset they get, the greater the chance there is there and for hearts to take advantage of that, you know, make, make take advantage of, you know, players' heads maybe dropping from the Aberdeen perspective or you know, whatever it might be. So yeah, I think that there's there is a really great opportunity here. I mean, I don't, I don't think Hearts are going to get many better opportunities to put this who do to bed. Finally, you know, you're playing a it's an out of sorts Aberdeen team. At, you know, at a time where there's a lot of pressure on the manager, this is as good an opportunity as Hearts are probably going to get. I would think. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's one of those where in terms of opportunity uh, uh, I mean, hearts kind of contradict myself and the idea with uh, graham is that hearts should be going to Petodri and, and not thinking uh oh well we should be lucky to come away with a point it's it, it's one of those where hearts should be going to Petodri. it's a venue just like every other venue except maybe celtic rangers where hearts should be going and expecting to get a result not saying winning all the time but get a result i mean that's that's the case with hearts is the third biggest club in scotland they should be going away to every other club in scotland 
expecting to get a result, caveat Celtic and Rangers because their budgets and it's it's maybe a bit far-fetched to go there and expect to get a result. So that's because on the flip side of what you're talking about in terms of staying in the game and frustrating the crowd, I would I would argue that the first 10, 15 minutes presents an opportunity to, to really up the ante and mm. they're going, Aberdeen are going to be fragile. They're going to be coming in. They're going to be nervous and they're going, almost waiting for the crowd to get um, very antsy. That's an opportunity for Hearts to strike and take a, take advantage of any nervousness and get ahead in the game and then make it really, really difficult. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, win a game by more than one goal, uh, which would be really, really nice and really comfortable and, and chilled. Sure, well, um, you make a good point, but... Let's also be honest again. Let's look at this Hearts team that we've seen this season. They must have played about twenty odd games now in all competitions. And have we ever seen Hearts come flying out the traps? No, it doesn't really it. happen, does it? Yeah. Like, you know, we don't. No, really, it, they don't do that. No, it, that's that, that's very true. That's maybe just being uh, trying to be too idealistic. But the the, the big opportunity is that, like you said, there's there's, there's a massive opportunity in that yeah, who do. There's also a massive opportunity to. Put a lot of space, a lot of uh, kind of a big gap between Hearts and Aberdeen in that race for third place because Hearts win. It's a thirteen-point gap with nearly half the season gone. Yes, Aberdeen have a game in hand, but that is that's a long way to to uh, to chase back. I know I'm saying this, and Aberdeen did similar <laughs> last season with fewer games to go. So, mm. uh, but I was going to say, yeah, I thought your yeah. memory has been quite selective there because I can remember. I'm sure I remember a team blowing it from a similar position last season. Yeah, I'm just as, as 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 I was as of those words were coming out of my mouth, I was thinking, hold on, we were we were roughly the same number of points ahead of Aberdeen, but later on in the season, and made mm. uh, made a pig's ear of it. So yeah, uh, sharp, Joe. Uh, <laughs> we'll move on to. We'll talk about the. We'll move on to talk about the team because I see a couple of comments here. So Graham's Graham's asked about interested to see if Gordon starts giving the comments from Nace uh, Naismith. Um, Campbell says comments from Naismith were ridiculous. Xander didn't keep us in the game against Rangers. He should have done better with the goal and the spill in the box was schoolboy stuff. Gordon needs to come back and, of course, Naismith speaking to the broadcast media yesterday suggested hinted that that Xander Clark's got the number one spot at the moment. What's your what's your take on it? Do you do you feel that Gordon should be coming back into the uh, in, into the start eleven? Do you think Xander Clark has done enough short term and kind of looking back since he's started deputising for Gordon to hold on to the number one spot for for longer? So, well, I think first off the bat, I think it's important to say I think Naismith has to come out and say that Xander Clark's the number one and. You know, Gordon's got to get win the gloves back and all that kind of stuff. He's in a position where he has to do that. I don't understand what else are they meant to say. He's meant to come out and say, actually, no, that actually Gordon's back now. So sorry, Xander will you know wait the reserves for the next six months. Yeah, like, you know, you have to say that. So I think I definitely take that kind of thing on a pinch of salt. Anyway, in terms of the goalkeeping situation, I mean, Xander Clark's performance against Rangers was totally baffling. I still can't decide if it was good or bad because there, I think Naismith has got a point. I think there were. A few moments, you know, where Rangers had some great chances and Clark managed to keep them at bay. That's good, mm-hmm. but there were also times, you know, I don't think he covered himself in glory for the goal. I think there were other points in the game as well where he'd have a, he made about one or two howlers, and you're thinking, "God, what's he up to?" So, yeah, really weird performance in that it was both good and bad simultaneously, um, and not really much in between. 
I do think though, like if Craig Gordon is fit and f- fully fit and is ready to play, he has to come back into the start at eleven. He just does. I mean, that that's no slight on Xander Clark. I think you could have mm-hmm. basically any other goalkeeper in the league in there, and you'd be saying, "Well, now, but when Craig Gordon's fit, Craig Gordon's going to play because we saw, um, obviously, not so much last season, but the year before. You know, he's still one of the outstanding goalkeepers in Scotland. He's still an absolutely brilliant shot stopper. Can tell you how many points he won Hearts. Um, you know, not last season, but the one before again. Like it was just absolutely sensational. It seemed like every week he was pulling off this yep. absolute worldy of a save. You can't, you can't afford to overlook a player like that. Um, you just can't. Um, so I think that Xander Clark has done a fairly good job uh, deputising for him. I don't think he's done too much wrong, and I don't think it's reasonable to expect someone who was signed as a backup goalkeeper to have done much more. No, um, I, 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 I don't think that's fair. Given that you know, it's a guy who's coming in knowing that he's going to be second choice and has been second choice until Gordon got his injury, but at the same time, yeah, yeah I think Xander Clark's been a fairly steady pair of hands. I think he's done a good enough job. Um, but yeah, Craig Gordon has to has to get the gloves as soon as he, as soon as he feels he's ready, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I think it's if I think it comes down to the case of who's you you play you play the best players available to you and. Craig Gordon is one of the greatest, if not the greatest goalkeeper in Hearts history. And mm. it's not like he's, I, I can completely understand that he's coming back from a third serious injury and there's 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 only so many years you can you can play for, but it's not as, I think it's different to like an outfield player. He's not going to lose a yard of uh, pace. That's, exactly. It doesn't matter. It's, it's like, is he able to keep the ball out the net uh, to the same high standard? If it's yes, well, he has to play because there's no one better I'll be no one better in Scotland at the moment, include Jack Butland in that and keeping the ball out of the net if you're taking Gordon his highest standard. I feel for Clark, I really do, because I think the criticism of him has been OTT. I think he has done, like you said, a, a good job uh, filling in some massive, massive gloves, uh, gloves. And I think he's he I think he is when Hart signed him, I think he's an, an ideal number two. He is not as uh, he's not as good as uh, Craig Gordon, never not gonna ever gonna be Good as Craig Gordon. Craig Gordon is once in a generation keeper for, yeah. for Hearts. That's it's just it's it's a lot to expect from him. But because Hearts fans have seen Craig Gordon in the last two years, that's the two to two, two, three years. That's the standard he's going to be uh, going to be held. I think he's been a, a solid goalkeeper who um, has had great moments. Is a good shot stopper. Seen the uh, the important stop he. Had against St Johnston, made some excellent saves. Like mm. the one, the save from offside, I know it was offside, but uh, from Sima was 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 outstanding. Oh yeah, yeah. But he does have he does have weaknesses. He's I think he is uh, sometimes his decision making isn't the greatest, and he can hesitate as he did with the with the goal or coming off his line. Um, and also feel sympathy for him because I just think there's a nervousness now. People know that Craig Gordon's back and. It's almost like they're just waiting for Gordon to be back in the sticks, and I don't think there's harsh as it is. I don't think there's a lot of trust from um, within Tynecastle for uh, Clark, and it's I think it's noticeable that the Hearts players and teammates they're getting around them and praising them, just kind of keeping that confidence up. And I, I think that's that's great to see as a, as a team. He's a really popular guy uh, with, within the team. I think he's, um, he's he's meant to be a, re- a really great guy as well. So they're getting around him. <laughs> But it doesn't take away from the fact that I mean, if Gordon's going back to it, it's as simple as Gordon's fit, 
he plays, but at the same time, I think Parks fans maybe should recognise it. You know what? Xander Clark has done a really, really good job to high standard until now. He's been part of a really, really good defensive record. No, that's the thing. I mean, he's got, what, seven clean sheets or something like that in the league so far this season. Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty good going, you know? That's not bad at all. So I think that, yeah, I mean, it's just unfortunate that, you know, the position they're both vying for is the goalie, whereas, let's face it, if somebody gets supremacy, they're there until they absolutely, unless their form drops off a cliff or they get some terrible injury, you know, you know, there's not yeah. going to be any, you know, you don't, you don't play one goalie one week and another guy the next week. It's just the nature of the position. It's the nature of the beast. But, you know, Clark will have known that when he signed, you know, because when he signed, Gordon was still fit. When he signed, yeah. Gordon was still the established number one. He knew he was coming in and he knew that he was going to, you know, let's face it, unless it's a pretty significant drop off in Craig Gordon's ability, he'll be, war- he'll be sat on the bench most weekends. He probably, I would, I would guess, probably wouldn't have expected to have played as much as he had in that in his first eighteen months. He was going, he was first choice goalie for about a year of it. That's yeah. probably not what he expected. I'm sure he's happy. I'm sure he's delighted to get them in. I'm sure he's delighted to be playing. But again, it's not, it's not what he would have reasonably expected going into the gig. So again, he'll Xander Clark himself will know fine well that if Gordon's back and fit and firing. You know, yeah, Gordon gets Gordon gets the nod unless he's an absolute unless he's chucking them in every week, which let's face it, that's unlikely to happen. So, yeah, obviously you feel you, you've got sympathy with any player who's been playing all right and then loses their spot in the team. You know, it's, it's unfortunate; it's part of football. But I, I, I don't think it was coming as a massive surprise to to Xander Clark at all. I think it's something that he'll be more than aware of. He'll be ready for it, and then his job after that is just to make sure that he can. Um, you know, continues hitting those heights in training, continues trying to hit that standard, continues pushing uh, Gordon on and tries to reclaim that that jersey. I mean, that's going to be incredibly difficult, but, you know, let's face it, Craig Gordon's, what, 40 now? 41 on uh, New Year's Eve, I think. New Year's Eve, yeah, I think it is, yeah. So, you know, and obviously he's had these injuries and all that. Yes, he's a bit of a marvel, but, you know, at some point, you know, he's going to have to call it a day. Maybe that's what Xander Clark's going to have to just wait around for. Who knows? But, so, yeah. I, sorry, James, just on that, because I was going to I was going to button earlier on. I don't mean when Xander Clark uh, signed, I've, I'd be surprised if he thought, right, you know what? Um, I'm going to be... Um, it's like, it's like, you know what? I'm going to, I'll be taking over Hearts number one position in 18 months. I don't think that would be the case because I think anyone that speaks to Gordon, you're like, he's going to play till he's 45. If, as long as he's fit, I, I, I think he's going to do a before and play play for a number of more years. So, a number of years because I think he's got real, he's got targets that he wants to hit for Hearts. And mm-hmm. uh, so, it's um, any, any goalkeeper coming into Hearts must realize I'm going to have to compete with Craig Gordon for the next few years. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Yeah, so again, it won't be a massive surprise to Clark, but um, aye, as I say, if, if Gordon, you know, manages to get it through training today and he's playing well and he says to Naismith, I'm 100%, I feel ready, you know, Naismith goes and sees to the physios and they say, aye, Joe, he is fine, he's not just at it, he, he's actually okay, then yeah, you, get, you give Gordon a chance. I mean, is it, I don't, well, actually, that's the point, actually. So if Gordon comes back into the team, who's captain at that point? Uh, that's, I, I would imagine to go back to God. He's he's club captain. He's club right, captain. Right. Yeah. That's a weird distinction, isn't it? A club captain and yeah. What's Shanghai match day captain or something weird like that? I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I think I think I think it's just like if, if Gordon's there, he I think he think he takes yeah. uh, the arm. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the captain. He's going to play. Yeah. You know. <laughs> that's how football works. So we've not really answered the question whether Gordon will play play or not tomorrow. I'm I'm. We've just kind of just talked. Uh, 
said her own view. But yeah. going by Naismith's comments, I wouldn't be surprised if Clark continues on for the next few games and Gordon doesn't get until maybe after the New Year against uh, the Spartans or, or something happens where Clark does go through a, a bad a bad spell. But who knows? Naismith has uh, got a proclivity of surprising the two of us with, uh, mm. with team selection. And within that, what do you think the formation will be tomorrow? I, I think it'll probably be the 3-5-2, I would imagine. Um, again, just kind of what I was saying earlier about the fact that you know there's a great opportunity there to really frustrate the crowd and make life difficult for them and you know make you know just try and kill hope. Essentially, that's the plan: kill the kill the hope. <laughs> so I think <laughs> you can you know if we know that the 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 with the three center halves, the two wing backs, the number six, it's hearts become very difficult to break down at that point. You know, um, it's hard for teams to play through them. And uh, particularly for a team like Aberdeen who like to hit on the counter attack, it does, you know, it offers a good protection against that. So yeah, I, I would imagine we'll probably, I think we'll probably stick with that. Although having said that, obviously the game against Rangers um, started off in a three, five, two, went to a four, two, three, one, pretty sure it was four, four, two towards the end, you know, so like, it wouldn't surprise me if Naismith does change things in game, but I, I would imagine that just because of Hearts' dreadful record and at Pataudry, the fact that this does represent such a great opportunity because Aberdeen are out of form, because the manager's under pressure, this for me this seems this screams a game where you probably want that little bit of extra defensive security, and you'd probably rather be a bit more cautious and defensive because I think it plays into Hearts' hands over the course of the ninety minutes rather than maybe going for the. The four two three one, and then yeah. try to get the quick knockout blow because then if that doesn't work, and you find yourself trailing or you're having to get a real foothold of the game, start controlling the ball, at that point it can get really difficult to get back into it. So yeah, I, I would think probably the back three. So there's a it was a I, I didn't I didn't tell you I didn't say to you at the time I meant I meant to say to you when we were um, uh, maybe I think it was at half time or uh, during the game, but something must have happened that it got distracted. Where I've, I I kind of just. Uh, dawned on me while watching the game on on uh, Wednesday that I realised that I'm a very <laughs> I want my I want my uh, I want to see Mars team be really hard to beat and I prefer the defensive solidity than um, this mm. uh, uh, than like expansive football. I like I like direct quick football when we get the ball, but I don't see uh, much of the ball. So yeah, I'm very much wary to the back three. I think that makes us the hardest uh, hardest to beat. Uh, again, it kind of feeds into my negative, just general pessimism and negativity. But looking at the trying to predict the start eleven, do you think there'll be any surprises tomorrow? Because I imagine that you've got obviously Halka available could come in and play the right side of this, uh, uh, the right side of this three centre backs. Uh, Atkinson obviously had his forty-five minutes against Rangers. You had George Grant, who was taken off at half time, despite being the best uh, best player in the first half. The you've got Byron McKay. You've written a piece on the site, uh, which went up on the site today, about how he can fit into the three five two and play that kind of attacking midfield uh, position. And then you've got a question mark where around does Lowry come back into the team? Mm-hmm. Who plays up front with Shanklin? Do we continue with Shanklin and Tagawa? Does Vargas come in, or uh, or who plays um, or with right wing back Forrest? Looked really good off the bench against Rangers. Did he come in? So, is there, is there in comparison to the Rangers team? Do you see many changes or any surprises? I I, I don't think there were too much. I mean, I, I would think, um, yeah, certainly Atkinson's position is under threat. I mean, I don't think he 
had a good game at all um, against Rangers. Obviously, still rusty. And then, but having I said understand. That, he, made, he made three absolutely vital challenges at the back as well, like three like shot blocks, like that could have easily resulted in goals. So you know, again, weird, weird game in that he did a lot wrong, but he also did a few really important things right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Again, obviously, he needs to get back up to fitness. So part of me thinks two starts in the space of what four days that might be a bit much. Um, I, just, I guess that that one's probably more of a fit, uh, a fitness thing. It comes down to if um, Naismith can if he if he feels that Atkinson's got enough about him that he can do the start of those both both those games in a row, build up his match fitness, gets him back to full sharpness quicker, perhaps. Uh, like you said, I think actually Forrester wouldn't surprise me to come in again. He gives you that little bit of an attacking out ball out there. Elsewhere in the team, I can't see too many changes. Like, yeah, like you say, Grant and Lowry will likely be vying for one place in the team, I would imagine. I think it's a good good case for either of them. Like you say, Grant had a good game against Rangers. Lowry couldn't play against Rangers, but has consistently been pretty decent. He's consistently been the most creative player in the Hearts midfield anyway. So, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine it'll be largely pretty much the same team. I think I think up front as well, I think it will be Shankland and Tagawa again. I think that Tagawa, okay, didn't... I mean, you, you definitely touched on this after the Rangers match, saying that uh, I, I think your killer stat was that Tom Lawrence had touched the ball more than Tagawa did, which is yeah. pretty damning. You know, it's not great. But then, you know, that's also one of the, you know, one of the two teams in the league you're playing against where you know, it's going to be a completely different game to the rest of them. I think we saw, particularly against uh, Kilmarnock, that Tagawa has definitely got something about him. He deserves a run of games, and particularly if Liam Boyce isn't available. Um, I think it's only fair that Tagawa gets a shot. I mean, Kenneth Vargas is a decent player and he's looked pretty good. I think he's looked really encouraging. He's had, but then he also had a very like decent, sustained run in the team. And while he's played quite well, he's not had that return in terms of like just goals, assists, or that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Whereas Tagawa, he's not really had that run. So I think, I think, he, he, I think he deserved another chance again. Um, on I thought he like, like watching watch the game back. I think he was... Uh... I think he had started really well and Hearts utilised him quite well in terms of going direct to him and he was bringing the ball down and linking play. But I, I completely agree that I think... I imagine he's been written off by, by some already, but having taken time to adapt, having moved across, I think it's only fair that if he is he is fit and he's got the trust in Naismith that he's given a, a, shot, a run in the team too. Just go right. I found my feet in having moved the country. I found feet in training. Now it's time for me to be given time and patience to find my feet on on the pitch. And whether that's if if, if that's like an, an hour uh, building up uh, longer and longer, I think that's uh, that's the only way you're going to see the best of him. If he can, he you try and allow him to mould that relationship with Shankland. No, absolutely. You know, and, you know these things do two time. There isn't a shortcut. There's no magic wand you can wave, and then all of a sudden players will have that understanding. You know, it, it takes time. But yeah, as you say, there were little flashes. I think against Rangers, where he showed he was tracking the game. But it's just, I just don't think it's fair to judge any new summer signing um, based off of what sixty minutes against Rangers. Yeah, you know, I don't think. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't think we go. Oh, I didn't score. All right, okay, we'll get him back to the bench, bring somebody else on. So that no, I think, I think he deserves a good chance. And yeah, Aberdeen away. That's a testing venue as well. Obviously, we know that Hearts' record there is not great to say the least. But having said that, 
Um, I, yeah, I do think that he gives you that option. I think he deserves his, I think he deserves that chance. Uh, just, I like what he brings to the team in terms of his running and things like that. I think that yeah, it's, a, it's, it's noticeable when you don't have something like that in the team. And that you, even if it's not quite working off as it maybe did against Rangers, it's still a useful asset to have in, in that. You know, defenders need to be wary of it. Aberdeen, you know, the Aberdeen defenders would have to be wary of the fact that all right, there's a guy up here who's quite pacey and likes to charge in behind. You know, even if it's even if it's not working, if it's not actually working um, on the park, that's still having that little bit. They're occupying the kind of opponent's mind and giving themselves something to worry about. That itself still has value, in my opinion. So yeah, I'd like to see him give them a go. Yeah, and he's also, I, I, he's also got a fantastic song as well. So yes, uh, that too. But I think you can just you can watch the highlights of the Hibs Aberdeen game and look at the goal. Uh, the what was the first goal that Hibs scored, where Marshall just launched it over the top of the Aberdeen defence. Mm. Who Rubovic is uh, has, has had a interesting time as uh, Aberdeen centre back so far, and he came steaming out, and he just he looks so. So I think Tagawa can get the better of him. We'll leave it. We'll, we'll almost leave it there. Uh, James, I'll ask for a prediction right at the end, but I've just uh, an, a, a Rangers fan popped on and asked uh, mm. just about the about Shanklin because uh, the stands and firebox has just popped in, lads. Rangers fan, as if you could not guess, we had yet more bad news in our strikers' position. Daniel is out for a month, could maybe more. January, I uh, looking at January, how much would Shanklin cost, and would you do a trade with Lowry? This is something we have tackled before about Shanklin's, how much it would cost. It's, it's difficult to put, it's a difficult balance because of his age. And you think it's with 18 months on his deal, you know, already at top, top dollar. But at the same time, how important he is to the team in that if we finish third, it could be worth upwards of three, uh, three, maybe four million to the club. With And then you look at, Shankland, how important he is to the team. We take him out as goals. It's, uh, it becomes a very, very different picture. So it's. I just feel that Rangers would have to stump up a lot of money to make it worthwhile for Hearts. And I'm looking at, in January, I would be disappointed if he was sold for... Uh, for less than five million, and certainly, certainly, if it was sold like less than uh, less than four million, I think I'd be a, a real bad deal. Yeah, no, I, I shouldn't even. I don't think talks should begin unless it's at least at the five million point pound point. That's a starting off point. But again, if it was me, I wouldn't sell them. I mean, look at <clears throat> look at Hearts' yeah. goal scorers this season, and you'll notice that there's a few players that have got one goal. I think there's four that have scored twice. And there's only one who scored more than three, and that's Lawrence Shanklin. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like Twelve or thirteen or something like that. Now, so no, yeah, you 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 can't get rid of him. If you if you take him out of the team, I just think he's far, far, far too important. And like you say, with the particularly the financial rewards that are on offer for finishing third, that guaranteed European group stage football spot. It's just it would it would need to be silly money. When I when I think silly money, I start thinking seven or eight million. You know, for a player of his age, of his profile, with eighteen months left in his contract, that would be crazy money. But I, I think, think that's what it have to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there'll be I think there'll be maybe fans of maybe even Hearts fans are like, whoa, uh, you're talking five, six, seven, eight uh, million for Shankland, and they're thinking never going to get that. And I, I can under I can understand that. I can understand people uh, that think that's it's way too much, but. At the same time, it's with 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 context that 
Yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's not about what he's worth. It's about more than that. It's about what yeah. what you should be demanding for payment. You know, it's not you know because like transfer fees and valuations and all that. It's all a bit of a, a pseudoscience anyway. You know, there's not really any much logic to it. You know, a player is yeah. worth whatever anyone will pay for him. And in this instance, I think it's that instance of well, it needs to be the sort of money that you're never going to get offered again. You know, it needs to be something that it needs to be proper once in once in a blue moon. You know, them. You know, to the point where the opposition fan, the opposition, the team that are buying them, saying this instance Rangers, where they're questioning it, going, "That's an awful lot of money to spend on that guy. That's yeah. how much money it should be. That's that's what I'm getting at. I think it's one of those things where, it, it, it yeah, it's a silly price for a a, a heart striker, particularly one of his age, particularly one of only eighteen months left in his contract. But that's what it should take. It should take properly yeah. silly money. It has to be a ludicrous offer. It's actually just what well, well, else? It'd be madness to turn it down. But, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, you can, and then you. Can, I can almost accept that I would it's like he turned down f- like four million in January. I'm just like kind of hypothetical. I'm just talking hypothetical here. If he uh, got offered four million and you turn it down, and then I wouldn't be he helps get Hearts uh, to third, and then he sold for two million in the summer, and you kind of just go, it's not as nearly as bad, despite having got offered a lot more in January, just because of that. That six month because it's so hard to replace someone, and uh, so hard to buy in January. Uh, even more so when you're trying to replace your best outfield play, uh, best player and your best striker scores all the goals, uh, and when you're in a chasing a European spot to uh, and then losing them to a team in your league. So yeah, I, I, it's it's one of those where I would. Uh, reject a lot of money in in, in Jan- January with the view that okay maybe we're gonna have to accept a lot less money in the summer. But if he's got us into Europe, then that's uh, it's it's the, the trade off is absolutely worth it. No, yeah, that that's kind of I totally agree with that. To be honest, yeah, I think that's entirely worth it. Um, I guess something else that's just popped into my head is that if if there was enough money that. Um, at Hearts could sell Shankland and then buy Miofsky and then have a couple of million left over. That, that's maybe quite good. That's maybe quite good business, but I, I don't see it happening to be honest. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. Now we're getting a football manager. Uh, ah, exactly. Get a bit silly now. <laughs> so let's finish there, James. And before we do, give me a prediction for tomorrow. I think it will be a one-all draw. I think um, I don't think it's going to be the best game of football in the world. I don't think it's going to be particularly exciting, and I think that. Um, yeah, Aberdeen fans desperately want to win in order to improve the league situation. Hearts fans desperately want to end the hoodoo, and I think that everyone's going to go home a bit upset, but not raging. Hey, I am. Um, uh, I'm. I'm not going to predict because I don't want to. I don't want to bring a depressing mood to uh, finish this. Uh, finish this briefing. So I better uh, just. Uh, uh, we'll just move on and finish it there. Mm. James, thank you very much, and to everyone who continues to listen, subscribe. Thank you very much. This is also available as a podcast. We try and do three to four episodes a week. And on heartsandal.co.uk, you can find all the latest from the uh, the press conference yesterday with Stephen Naismith. You can find all, everything he said, uh, injury update, and talking about making big decisions with the players coming back. James has also written a piece on how, we didn't really touch on it, but how... Um, Go across on the on the site and see how he envisages Barry Mackay fitting in to the three five two, and we will have a Q and A with Barry Mackay up at ten thirty pm tonight. 
and then James is heading for Todry tomorrow, so he'll be providing all the uh, the pre and post match analysis from there. So until Monday, when we'll probably look back at the Aberdeen game. See you later, and hopefully, 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 everyone has a good weekend. <laughs>